Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Hunted Sky. Sorry about that month and a half break there. Things have been a bit hectic for me as of late, and I had to put a lot of things on the back burner. Sadly, the Hunted was one of them. But it's back, and I now have the time, drive, and help to do it. This one is the entirety of Chapter 2 re-recorded. Chapter 3 will be up soon, barring more catastrophes. Before I start, I'd like to thank Meg for helping me do this, because without her telling me to record and then editing more than half of it, I never would have. Anyway, on to the story. Miss Ashton, it's time to wake up. Captain said she's waiting on you. Jessup said through her intercom with a sharp knock at her front door. Grace bolted upright in her bed. She half expected the pain of her forehead connecting with a bulkhead, but it never came. Gonna take a while before I get used to being on the ground. She felt strange when she got out of her bed. Even after weeks, she still couldn't shake her old habits. Without the feeling of the engines rumbling under her, the slight keel and roll of her room, she felt like she was lost. The redhead quickly changed and tossed the small device Fiona had given her. She called it a phone. Into the pocket of her coveralls with the keys from Lenora. The captain had been urging Grace to finish rebuilding the runner so she could put the ship and the pilot through their paces, which was probably why she was sending Jessup this early in the morning. She stood in her living room, the sense of exposure and slight wonder that she had every day at the sheer amount of space she was allotted to live in never waned. Her apartment was hardly the biggest she'd seen over the time she'd been there, but it was still large enough to house several families on Leftbrig. Jessup's voice came through the speakers again. The captain says she has breakfast waiting as well. She says, hurry up, girly. We gotta get the weight balanced for your surprise. She also says that you should learn to plug in your phone into that outlet at night so she doesn't have to send me as a messenger at six in the morning. Grace felt a slight pang of guilt at that part. The poor man had probably been sent from his breakfast to go wake her up all because she'd forgotten to power the little device. I'm sorry, Mr. Jessup. I'll remember it tonight. I promise. Give me just one second. I can't find my other boot, she called. The pilot thought about what the surprise could be. The Ski's engineer, Quinn, had appeared one day the week before and had taken Lenora's engine away, only saying that she needed to run some tests with it. Since then, the engineer had shown up multiple times, almost every day, to take measurements of Lenora or weigh specific parts, and each time Grace had found herself stumbling over words or forgetting basic things about her own ship. Something about the other woman had made the pilot blush and shut down. Her mind snapped back from thinking about the engineer as she found the footwear in her kitchen of all places. Fucking little crawlers probably followed me all the way here. She slipped on the boot and stepped outside, locking the door behind her. The portly man was standing at attention, waiting for her. He gave her a salute as she opened the door. She patted his shoulder and gave him a hug. Mr. Jessup, you know you don't have to treat me like the captain. Hell, I'm the one who should be saluting you. He let her go and gave a slight shrug. Sorry, ma'am. Habit, I guess. She gave him a warm smile. And how many times do I gotta tell you to call me Grace? Hell, Ash, Ashton, whatever else. We're friends, ain't we? She'd grown attached to the man over the weeks. The captain had assigned him as her handler. He was always around to help her. He nodded. Sorry, Grace. The captain was real excited about whatever your surprise is. She wouldn't tell me, though. Said I'd let it slip. Grace chuckled as they started down the hall towards the stairs out. <laughs> I already know it. She's wanting to fit Lenora with some weapons. Ain't like I don't know what those hard points we spent two days welding on her for. And that big-ass old gas engine she insisted be added to after they took her old engine? And all that armor plating? She's turning Lenora into a fighter. She paused, remembering Quinn's questions. Though, I, um... 
I, I don't know what Miss, uh, Miss Quinn is working on. They won't let me know anything about it. Why was her face warm? Jessup gave her a slightly worried look. Are you okay with that? I know how much that shit means to you. If you don't want, just tell the captain. I'm sure she'll understand. Grace shrugged. The work's mostly done now. She paused to let Jessup go down the stairs ahead of her. And I really don't think I mind. If it means she won't get shot to shit next time I'm in the sky, that's fine by me. The girl thought back to Book on Left Brig and the fit he'd throw if he could see Lenora now. She wondered what they were doing now. Were they still looking for her? Had they given her up for dead? Did anyone even notice she didn't come back? I brought the car and didn't think you'd want to walk all the way over to the workshop first thing in the morning, Jessup said as they made it outside, snapping her out of her thoughts of her old home. She smiled and kissed his cheek. Thank you, Mr. Jessup. You've always been nice to me, ever since I got shot down. The man's already rosy cheeks darkened even more. It, it's no problem, ma'am. Before getting in the vehicle, Grace looked around again, still trying to get used to the sight of an almost never-ending expanse in front of her. The clouds overhead were lighter than usual, meaning it must be midday. They had been lucky with light rain the last week. Grace gave a slight prayer that it would continue that way. The pirate's base was more like a sprawling compound with runways, landing pads, and workshops, housing, and hangars spread around. There were even a few shops that sold food and other basic things. It was almost a city, Grace thought. After another moment of adjusting to the site, she got into the car and leaned back, giving a long sigh, wondering how long it would be until it was natural for her. The drive was short, and Jessup seemed too embarrassed to talk much anymore. They arrived and went inside, finding Fiona standing at a workbench, blueprints tacked up on the wall in front of her, more rolled out on the tabletop. Hey, girlie, get over here, she called back without even turning around. When Grace had asked how she could always tell who was coming near without even seeing them, she simply replied that it was the way they walk. Grace never quite believed her. Captain? The girl gave a sloppy salute and shrugged at Jessup. I'll make sure you get some food, ma'am. He made his way back outside as she went to the captain. Yes, ma'am? It felt awkward using formalities with someone she'd begun to consider a friend, but rules were rules and she couldn't undermine Fiona's authority, at least when other people were around. Oh, shut up with that shit. We ain't on the ship. Now, are you sure these plans are right? Fiona ran a finger along a few cross struts drawn on the paper. We can take these out and they ain't attached to anything major, right? Grace studied the page for a moment and nodded. Yeah, they were there for extra support for the old takeoff engine, but since that all got moved back, they're just sitting now. The taller woman nodded. All right, we're going to rip these out and these out. She pointed to another set of struts. We've got to get as much weight out as we can. How much ammo are you thinking of? The captain raised an eyebrow and Grace cut her off before she could say anything. Oh, don't act like I'm stupid, Fiona. I know what hard points look like. Got no reason to weld all that metal into her without thinking of putting some damn heavy on it. The captain shook her head and smirked at the girl. All right, all right. I was thinking of a medium caliber minigun on either side. Maybe 556 and a little something Silas and Quinn cooked up for you special. But that won't be done for a few more days. All right, so how about uh, 7,500 rounds on either side and whatever the weight from the special thing they've cooked up? We're going to need to cut out this this and this she ran her fingers over multiple spots on the paper as well as try to find a new thruster for her she isn't even going to be able to get off the ground without more power fiona nodded 
Yeah, you shippers don't make these things to stand up to shit, do you? Grace shrugged. I didn't design her, just made her mine. And she's a damn fine ship when you don't have some dumbass pirates shooting harpoons into your ass. She gave the captain a playful punch in the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, I said I was sorry, but not like nothing good came from it, so no harm, no foul, and all that. Let's get to work. What was supposed to be a few hours removing non-vital parts from the recently rebuilt runner turned into an afternoon's worth of tearing the ship apart again. Each time Grace would think they were done, they'd find something else that needed to be replaced or repaired or could be removed entirely. The food Jessup had brought her lay forgotten on the workbench till Silas came in with a few of the crew, dragging a cart behind them. Time for a break, you two. It's about time for supper. Fiona smiled up at her husband from under one of Lenore's wings. Almost done with... Is it done already? He nodded and bent down and gave her a kiss. I told you we'd have it done as soon as I could. Grace came around to look at the cart, giving the man a quick hug before asking, What is it? His face told Grace that he'd been working on whatever it was almost nonstop. He looked about ready to fall over. Well, I know how important weight is on this thing, so we tried to come up with something that wasn't going to add another half ton of ammunition. I think I got it half right. He pulled the tarp off the cart. On it sat a cannon, almost as long as Grace was tall and half as wide. She crouched next to the weapon, studying every detail she could. This doesn't shoot bullets, does it? He grinned widely. Nope. Grace continued studying it, noting the intake vents along the side and the exhaust vents on the back. Looks almost like the vapor engines. She let her voice trail off, trying to organize her thoughts. Silas nodded. Yep. Quinn helped me figure out how that one we pulled out of your ship worked, and we made a variant of our own. Grace looked to see if the engineer was there, giving a disappointed sigh when she didn't see her. Oh, is that what all those measurements were for? Where's she at? Silas shrugged. She already went back to her dungeon, probably went to sleep for a bit. She did say to make you try to figure it out before I tell you, so go ahead. Grace went back to studying the weapon, smirking. Oh, I'll figure it out. Won't even need to open it up. Make sure she knows it, too. Silas laughed. <laughs> oh, I will. She needs some competition down in that hole anyway. Hell, she was curious enough about you to come out of that ship, let alone take care of things in person. First time I've seen her have fun in a while. The girl ran her hand along the cannon and noted the pneumatic tubes that crisscrossed back and forth along the top and the hydraulic arms that disappeared into either side. You're compressing the vapor. One of Silas's eyes went up and he looked at Fiona. Grace continued. It looks like you're compressing it and venting all the excess heat out. The redhead ran her hand over the mouth of the barrel, almost twice the size of her fist. The more vapor it takes in, the more heat it can process, which means the more power it has. Once it's at max, it fires the ice it's made as the projectile, am I right? When she looked up, she found everyone in the room staring at her, jaws hanging. After a moment of stunned silence, Silas started clapping. Amazing, petite flamme. Grace blushed. Th thanks. Cycling the heat as the power source is really brilliant. I never would have thought of that whole mist mother that fixes the problem with the thrust from the engines, too. Immediately losing herself in how it would work, Grace dashed off to the workbench and gulped down the now stale coffee and started scribbling a design on the back of another blueprint, completely forgetting what she had just been doing.
She felt a hand on her shoulder and she jumped. Girlie, come on, you need to get some food and proper sleep. At some point, Grace didn't know when, she'd have fallen asleep at the workbench. The window showed the first gray-pink tones of morning outside. What time is it? You fell asleep an hour or so ago. I think we lost you there for a bit. Didn't seem to notice a damn thing anyone said or did. Fiona's voice had a slight tinge of worry. You alright, girlie? Sorry, it's been a while since I've gotten to really work on something new. And since even before I ended up here, I guess I just kind of... I don't know. She yawned and stretched, feeling every joint she moved pop. Well, take a break next time. Fiona looked over the plans that Grace had drawn. What's all this? The girl looked at it. I guess it's all the changes Lenora will need to be good to fight her. I, I don't remember half of these. Huh. Well, we'll go over them once we've both gotten some sleep. I'll drag Quinn out here to give us a hand tomorrow. I can already tell you want to brag about figuring out her new gun that fast. Grace felt her face flush. No, but, uh, but it would be nice to see Quinn again. I really liked working with her. Yeah, she ain't the easiest to get her to come outside. Still shocked she did all those times before. Must not have been easy. We'll worry about that later, though. Come on, let's get you some food and back home. Far on the other side of the New Illinois River, a tall, slender man slung his rifle over his shoulder, digging in his pack for his binoculars. Scout ahead, they said. It'll be quiet, they said. No one said a damn thing about the fucking town garrison three clicks from camp. He finally retrieved the equipment and scanned the area. He took note of the patrols nearest and where he thought would be likely places for snipers. The binoculars also revealed a pile of corpses in the town square, mostly men, older women, and children. Fucking Christ. The man slid back into the group of half-dead bushes he'd taken cover in and checked his ammunition. Three clips, a grenade, and an arsenic pill. Great. He cleaned his scope, quickly checking to the sighting, and went prone, letting his rifle hang out of the covering. Damn a scouting run, damn just reporting back what he finds and letting those things do whatever they want with the women in the town. He lined up his first shot with the throat of a stationary guard and squeezed the trigger, quickly moving to the man next to him and firing. The semi-automatic rifle kicked each time, the hot shells softly dropping next to him. The reports were loud, but his position was hopefully well enough hidden that they wouldn't find him easily. Now things got interesting. Figure dropped back into the bushes and stayed low, making his way away from his perch, down onto the dirt road below him. He looked down his scope, trying to find another target. He spotted a silhouette in a window and fired. The crack of his rifle echoed across the town, combined with the sound of glass breaking, should get people to come running. As if on cue, he heard a shout and watched as two soldiers ran into the house he just fired into. More shouting, and another soldier came running from down the street. As he reached the door, the man fired, barely missing the soldier. Fuck. He ducked down as low to the ground as he could and moved, trying to get away from his blown cover. All right, that didn't go too well. At least I got some of them to get the fuck out of the way. He started to sling his rifle, but thought better of it, instead tossing it in the opposite direction he was heading. He stuck low to the ground as he weaved his way towards the town. They'd be using one of the larger buildings to house the captives. He slid behind a rusted-out wreck, listening to the crunching of gravel as soldiers reached his previous position. Couldn't understand the language the armored men spoke, but their inflection was more than enough. He took a quick peek over the wreck and started moving again, making his way towards the largest building that had lights on. They'll have the women in there, he mumbled. 
Sticking to the shadows, the man made his way to the basement window of what looked like a church. He thanked Sluck that there didn't seem to be a lock and slipped inside. He instantly regretted it. He splashed down loudly in shin-deep water. The stench of rotting flesh and mold assaulted him, and he could feel his boots slightly sink into the floor. God damn it! He bit the inside of his cheeks, keep himself quiet, and started moving. Fucking didn't fill in the fucking old basement. Fucking backwater. Fucking damn it. He gritted his teeth, moving towards what he hoped was a set of stairs. The thin sliver of light that shone above him also revealed the gap he'd have to make his way across. The bottom half of the stairs had rotted away, and the rest were probably in no shape to hold weight. Shit. He thought for a moment, digging in his pack and moving closer to the stairwell. He figured that since the lights were on up above, they couldn't have noticed another light below. So he flicked on the small flashlight he had and looked around. The The room was far worse than he'd imagined. Dead, rotting animals, people, and garbage were strewn about in the black water. The roots of some plant or another outside grew through the walls like tentacles of an ancient god. He held his breath again, looking back up at the doorway above him. A gunfight with an unknown number of soldiers, with just his pistol, sounded far better than staying down here. Looking around again, he noticed that the wood next to the door leading out still looked solid. It's not that far, he muttered. He dug through his pack and pulled out a length of rope and tied it to his pistol. He hesitated. If he screwed this up and hurt him, he'd be unarmed and trapped. But if he didn't do it, he'd be trapped and probably die of some horrible mold or something similar. Giving a long sigh, he swung the rope and tossed it upward through the highest banister and pulled it until it caught. It wasn't as loud as the thought it would be, but still he held his breath, listening for the sound of footsteps running towards the door. After a moment, he started pulling himself up, scrambling across the sagging stairs until he was on the landing and held onto the door. After catching his breath, he slowly cracked the door open, peeking through. He couldn't see anyone immediately near, so he quickly slipped inside, yanking the rope in behind him. The room wasn't very well lit. A lantern or something similar hung in a hallway just around the corner, casting more than enough shadows for him to hide in. After untying his pistol, he stuffed the rope back into his pack and started creeping forward. There was a light sound of footsteps above him, but nothing immediately near him. He rounded a corner out of what looked to be a kitchen and closed the shutter on the lamp, sinking everything in back into darkness. With any luck, the soldiers that had gone out hunting him would be gone for a while. The first floor was pitch black, save for the small red cluster of lights denoting exits. The furniture confirmed he was in a church, probably rebuilt from the original that had been there centuries before. The man crept through the darkened room, keeping as quiet as he could. Eventually he reached another staircase, the hall above it dimly lit. Outside he could hear the shouts of the soldiers again. Luckily they seemed to be passing by on their way to search somewhere else. He figured that there would be at least one guard above still. He drew the small folding knife he kept in his boot and crept up the stairs. When he reached the top he held his breath, listening through to at least give himself a bit of an idea of what he'd be up against. The only thing he'd hear was the muffled sound of someone sobbing. Not creepy at all, he whispered. Taking a deep breath, he opened the door, ready to pounce on whoever was on the other side, which was no one. The hall was brightly lit, the incandescent bulb in the ceiling bathing everything in yellow, but there was no guard, nothing. He followed the sobbing down the hall until he reached the second-to-last door and slowly opened it. Before he could react, a hand slammed down on his shoulder, driving a shard of glass a few inches deep. He yelped, biting it back into a hiss, and slammed his weight against the door, sending whoever was on the other side flying backward and cracking the door frame. He burst into the room, knife in hand, but immediately lowered it. A bruised and bloodied woman lay on the floor, a large piece of glass gripped in her bleeding hand. She stared up at him, teeth bared. She scrambled into a crouch and leapt at him again, stabbing at the air as he dodged out of her way. Hey, hey, I ain't one of them, 
Calm down. I'm trying to get you out of here. He took his eyes off the woman for a moment looked around the room. In the far corner, three more women huddled together, each with makeshift weapons. He raised an eyebrow. Looks like I got here just as y'all were planning an escape yourselves. The woman in front of him circled him slowly, eyeing him suspiciously. One of the women behind her asked, Who are you? Worry about introductions later. For now, we gotta get out of here before they come back. I sent them on a bit of a goose chase, but it would... There was an ear-splitting crack, and a bullet tore through his throat, and he collapsed to the ground. Blood bubbled as air escaped the wound. The women huddled closer together, one letting out a strangled whimper. The woman in front of him gripped her shard of glass tighter as she was sprayed with blood, the bullet almost hitting her as well. She dropped into a crouch next to him, staring at the unknown man's body as he let out a final, gurgling gasp and shuddered. She looked at the blood that covered her in the floor, at the soldier who could have possibly saved them, that now lay dead in front of her, and felt the final threads in her mind break. One of her captors stepped into the room, a grin on his face, slowly holstering a revolver. He looked down at her, then at the other women behind her, and said something she couldn't understand, following it with a sick laugh. Before he could blink, she was on him, glass gouging at his face, her other hand trying to close on his throat. The shiv pierced through his cheek, and she pressed as hard as she could until she felt it sink into the back of his throat. He shoved at her, coughing and choking, until he knocked her back. He stumbled backwards, his hand feebly pawing at his gun, then at the glass. He fell against a wall, slowly sliding down it as he bled out. The woman stood over him, watching him die, watching the light fade from his eyes. As their captor died, the room grew deathly silent. Only the shallow breathing of the woman could be heard behind her. Emily? She turned back and nodded, then started to strip the two bodies for anything useful. Emily... Please, if we stay, maybe maybe they won't kill us, but, but if we tr- try to run... Emily whirled around and stared at the woman who'd spoken, her mother. She held out her arms in an and-then-what motion and pointed at the two dead men. She motioned to the blood she was soaked in and the makeshift bandages around her neck. I, I know, but... Emily glared at her and shook her head, daring her to continue. She knelt down, putting her hand in a sizable pool of blood and wrote on the wall, Leaving. Her mother nodded and looked at the other two women, both of them watching the argument intently. Emily then wrote, Armed, and picked up their dead rescuer's pistol and tossed it to her mother. She nodded. All right, it's... It's better than staying here, isn't it? Even if we get killed, it's better. The bar was crowded tonight. Most of the crew and workers from the makeshift town had gathered for something special. I want to sing to you, my loves... A woman's voice filled the smoky room. The entire place fell silent as a curtain on the small stage opened. The owner of the voice was laid back on a plush, red velvet chair, a cigarette smolding in a long holder held between two fingers. Her corset matched the color of the chair, her lips as well. Red feathers crowned her blonde hair, swaying slightly as she leaned forward. A ring-shaped microphone hung from the ceiling, dangling in front of her. Oh, my loves, it's been quite a while. A few of the patrons whistled, some cheered, and the rest stared in awe. She gave them all a warm smile. I've missed you all. She looked around the room. Except you, Frank. You probably never left. The crowd laughed, and the man raised his pint to her, grinning. And I don't plan to for a while yet. Oh, sweetie, you know I'd never want you to. So, my loves, what should we begin the night with? Voices overlapped each other as the men and women tried to get in their requests. Three figures sat in a booth in the back, barely paying attention to the show. So, sugar, what are you thinking? Theona leaned back into the overstuffed leather cushions of the booth that she sat in. 
She took a last drag from her cigarette and snuffed out the butt on the table. Glancing around the dimly lit room, taking in a moment to enjoy the sight of her people happy. It had been so long since she'd seen that. Want another love? The man's voice was low, barely audible over the woman on stage. He fumbled in his pocket for a moment, taking out a small case. Accepting another cigarette from him, she lit it. We need to figure something out, honey. I don't know how long we can keep all this up. Grace listened to the two as they discussed food shortages and encroaching armies. Eventually, her attention shifted to the woman on stage. She looked almost sensual, singing into the microphone. The crowd was mesmerized as well, most of them staring up at her, slack-jawed. Who is she? Grace asked. Silas smiled. That's Rosalie Ingrid Gilmore. She's an old, uh, friend of Fiona's. His wife glared at him. By that, he means we used to be together. She wasn't looking for anything too serious. I was. It's in the past now. He cleared his throat. Um, <clears throat> yes, anyway, Rose just recently came back after going on a bit of a tour for us. What for? Grace was back to staring at the woman, watching every movement she made. We need some things taken care of. The names of some people and others given a message. There's no one better at getting and giving information than our dear Rose, Fiona answered. Grace noticed the tone of her voice. It was the same as whenever she answered questions about her knowing whenever people were near. Hmm. Just as Grace was going to ask Fiona about it directly, Rose's final note hung in the air and the three looked to the stage. The woman shouted, One, two, one, two, three. The curtains behind her raised and half a dozen dancers rushed the stage. In the back, the band started to play in full swing, the crowd erupting into dance and cheering. Roe can always get him going. She paused to watch the woman on stage. Hell, she still gets me going. She's beautiful. Fiona and Silas both nodded. Yeah, she is. Fiona's hand unconsciously touching the scars that covered the right side of her head. Silas took her hand and kissed it. You're far more, little love. She smiled at him. Thank you, sugar. She leaned back in her booth bench. Now, how's Lenora coming? Snapping out of the trance Rose's performance put her in, she said, I've just about got the banger hooked up, but I still need a few more parts off that list. Fiona nodded. I already told you to ask Quinn about him. I'm sure she's got whatever you need in that hole of hers. I, I, I don't want to bother her, and the last time I went to find her, I got lost. All right, all right. Just try to make it quick. I've got a favor to ask after all this is done. So, does this mean I'm part of the crew now? Grace asked, looking back and forth between the two. We'll see. Consider yourself freelance for now. Let's see if you're up to it before we make it all official-like. They fell silent and turned back to the performance, a flurry in naked legs and feathers as bodies of the dancers mangled. Rose spun around, showing the crowd as she unhooked the back of her corset. She turned back around as the garment fell, a fan of feathers in her hand covering herself. She feigned a look of surprise, then smiled and kicked the piece of clothing into their outstretched hands as the song ended. Thank you, my lovelies. We'll be back in a bit. Be nice in your request tonight. John's hands have been sore lately. She walked off stage, lowering her fans as she did, briefly flashing in the entire room. Grace's face flushed, and she looked at the floor. Oh my god, how could she do that? I would die. Fiona nudged her. You ain't seen nothing yet. That was a damn tame show for Rosie. 
Must know there's some young'uns around somewhere. Come on, let's go see what she's got for us. The three quietly slipped into the dressing room, escaping the crowd. Rose's eyes lit up when she saw them. Fee, my love, I was wondering when you'd stop by. I saw you sitting in the back there. Enjoy the show? She rushed over, kissing both Fiona's cheeks and hugging Silas. Of course I did. I always love to see you perform, sweetie. Fiona returned the kisses. You still have a standing offer for a private performance, love? Rose winked at Fiona and turned to Silas. Oh my my, you're still looking just as delicious as ever, Si. How have you been? Just fine, dear. We've missed having you around here. Haven't seen the crew this happy in a while. He beamed down at her, kissing her forehead. Rose turned to Grace, who was half-hiding behind Fiona. And who might you be, sweetheart? You're definitely new. I'm, uh, Grace, uh, Grace Ashton. I got here about a month ago, ma'am. Ma'am? Oh, come here, honey. The still topless singer pulled Grace into a tight hug. You don't have to call me ma'am, love. You know, she said, letting Grace go and stepping back. You might want to think about forgetting about all that dangerous pirate stuff and spend your nights here with me. I'll take good care of you. Grace thought that the heat coming from her face would warm up the room. I... Uh, I... Fiona rolled her eyes and flopped back into a chair. Oh, stop. Now, anything interesting come up while you were gone? The singer sat in a chair next to the captain and said, More than I'd have liked. From what I can put together, the Patriots are pushing west, the coastal tribes are pushing north, and there's talk of Brazilians having landed in old Florida. We still got word of some of the southern tribes pushing north as well, as far as St. Louis. As far as our little burg is concerned, nothing much new. Laying off the Patriots seem to have gotten them off our asses for now. Brazil is pushing all the way up here? You'd think they'd focus on their own fucking continent. Alright, we'll deal with that if we have to. For now, let them duke it out with the Patriots. Grace, you following? The pilot's eyes snapped up towards the ceiling, away from the singer they'd been locked on. Uh, uh what? Y- yeah, I think so. Brazil, Patriots, yeah. Fiona sighed. Rose, as much as I hate to ask, could you please put something on? I think you're distracting our new pilot. The woman looked down at her still exposed breasts, then back up to Grace. Oh, if it's really that big a deal. Not like there aren't anything any of you have seen before. It's not... I mean, I don't... I mean... Grace stammered, eventually covering her face with her hands and got a frustrated sigh. I'm sorry. She laughed. I'm only messing with you, my dear. Nothing at all to be sorry for. She scooped a shirt from the back of a chair, slipping it on easily. The singer stood and stretched. I've got to get back to stage soon. After we're done for the night, let's all have a drink or two. Grace and Fiona whistled and cheered with the crowd as the final act of the show finished. Rose blew the room a kiss and made her way off stage. After a while, the cheering died to general chatter, Grace enjoying the buzz of indistinguishable words around her. The crowded room felt more like home than the open spaces she still hadn't gotten used to. Slowly, the room emptied, leaving the trio nearly alone. Band played a slow, soft tune as they moved to the bar. Hey, John, how's it been? Silas asked the bartender, shaking his hand. Just fine, Mr. Renoir. Enjoy the show. The three nodded. You're a really good piano player, Grace said. He beamed at Grace. Why, thank you, young miss. Wish I was a bit younger, though. These old hands can't do what they used to. 
Fiona motioned to his hands as he unconsciously twirled a shot glass in his fingers and laughed. Looks just fine to me. He shrugged. I suppose so, Captain, but playing a show for Rosie is a bit harder than these old glass tricks. Speaking of which, can I get you all something to drink? Oh, no, we're waiting for Ro Fiona started but was cut off by a call from behind her. Wait no longer, love. I'll have a whiskey sour if you wouldn't mind, sweetheart. Rose came out from the back wearing a red shirt and black pants. Sorry I took so long. One of the girls needed help with her corset. Fiona turned back to John. I suppose I'll take a few shots of vodka. The old man nodded and reached for the liquor. All right, a whiskey sour and four stacked shots. Anything else? I'll have a whiskey on the rocks if you don't mind. Silas said, turning to Grace, he asked, Have you ever had alcohol, dear? I, uh, don't think so. I'm not sure. What is it? Fiona laughed. That's a no. All right, well, you're in for one hell of a treat, then. Rose sat next to Grace. Can I pick a first drink, please? She gave a pleading look to Fiona. The captain mock glared at her. From what I can remember, the last time I let you choose my drink was how you got me into bed the first time, so no. John, any suggestions for a first drink? He set the two bottles he had down and turned back to the wall of liquor. What do you like, Miss Grace, was it? I uh, like flying and working on engines and music and uh, I'm starting to like guns a whole lot. Uh, wait, you mean like tastes, don't you? The girl blushed and ducked her head. Nope, you nailed it. Let me think of something that'd be good for someone who likes flying, engines, guns, and music. He started grabbing his bottles of brown liquid and other things, his old hands flying around his bar and mixing ingredients. After a moment of Grace watching him in awe, he sat down a short glass of an almost black liquid in front of her. Here you are, miss. I do hope it's to your taste. All four of them watched her expectantly as she picked up the glass and took a sip. The girl's eyes instantly watered, and she coughed. Ow, it, <coughs> it, it burns. Oh, God, how do you drink this? The group burst into laughter, Fiona slamming a fist down on the bar. It's an inquired taste, don't worry. John motioned. Take another sip, just expect to have bite this time. Don't worry, once you're used to it, you'll like it, I promise. I'm rarely wrong. Grace took another, this time bracing herself. It tasted like hot earth, bitter and painful at first, but a second wave of warmth and sweetness followed it. She took another drink, downing almost half the tumbler. It's really good. It tastes almost like that time one of the pumps on Lenora broke and sprayed me in the face, but without the chemical burns. And sweet. John grinned. So I got it right then. She nodded, downing the rest of the drink. Yeah, definitely. C can I have another? The bartender looked at the others for permission. Rose nodded emphatically. Fiona and Silas shrugged. All right, let me get you all your drinks refilled then. And then, if you don't mind, I'm going to go take a nap. This old man needs his beat asleep. Rose patted his shoulder and kissed his cheek. It was lovely to have you up on stage with me again, though. I've really missed it. Make sure you take good care of your hands. I can send one of the girls up to give you a massage and look after you if you'd like. That's not necessary, honey, but thank you. I've just got to give my old bones a rest. We'll see about a set list tomorrow. Key's in the usual spot, Captain. Good night. The group wished him good night and thanked him for the drinks as he left. After he was gone, Fiona snatched Grace's glass from her and took a sip of the concoction. She gave a slight cough and looked at the drink in shock. 
Damn, girlie, you can sure take your liquor. Love, try this. Think it'll be a regular around here. Silas took a small sip of the drink as well, making an almost identical face as Fiona. John knows how to make a good drink. Uh, Grace, are you sure you're going to be okay drinking a second one of these? He passed the drink down to Rose, who tried it. Her face twisted and she coughed, sputtering. Oh, God, I can't take that. She set the glass in front of Grace again and gulped down her own drink. I, um, hmm. Grace leaned against the bar as the world slightly swayed. My head feels weird. Fiona and Silas looked at each other, both trying not to laugh. Honey, you drunk. Rose chimed in. Oh, what's that? Mm, I think I'm sit on the floor. The stool is too wobbly. Grace tried to stand and immediately fell against the bar. Maybe I'll just stay here. Rose raised an eyebrow. All right, I gotta know. Where the hell are you from, Gracie? You're far too innocent to have been running with another crew, and drinking is the number one pastime across the country. Where'd they find you at? The redhead swayed slightly as she turned to the singer. It sucked. They shot me down on accident. Almost blew me up because they thought I was a bounty hunter or something. Best part, I didn't even know all of you were down here. I was up on one of those big old ships, nice and cozy, not knowing about all this down here. Captain told me it was all a big lie up there, and they were just some kind of weird experiments they tried and people just forgot about. So I decided to stay here and see what it was like, and then I met Quinn. She's pretty, and smart, and really strong. And she's really, really pretty. And I like her a lot. And then I worked on Lenora, because I had to rebuild a lot of her after they shot me down. Did I already say that? I don't really know if I like it here yet. There's too much space, you know? But then I came here and I met you. You're really pretty too, Rose. I miss this guy. Rose looked over the girl's shoulder at Fiona and mouthed, Can I keep her? Oh, honey, you're absolutely gorgeous. So you came from a ship, huh? Which one? Grace swayed even more and leaned against the bar heavily. Left, left brig. She was in Edward's class. There was only three of those. One of those old engine was based off of her engine's design, even. The Edwards was the only home ship that had an entire floor for a hangar. Did you know that? They even, whoa. They even had a big lift to get the runners and defenders from the assembly down to the bottom. Hmm, I, I think the room is spinning. As the world spun more and started to fade to black, Grace could dimly hear Fiona say, Catch her. After a long night of sneaking and terrified running, Emily and the others stopped to rest at the edge of a small creek. Her mother fussed over her immediately, checking the other two's wounds and bandages. Eventually she came to Emily, who was sitting leaned against a tree. Honey, I, I need to check your neck. We have to change the bandages, I'm sorry. The young woman looked up at her mother, almost pleadingly, before struggling to her feet. The other woman, gingerly untying the knot and unwrapping the cloth, cringing whenever it caught in the paste of old blood. After she was done, she looked at the horrid gash in her daughter's throat, tears welling up in her eyes. Oh, sweetheart. Emily let her mother lead her to the water and began cleaning the wound. She scratched the dirt after each spike of pain, digging her fingers into the roots of this grass. I know, honey, it'll be done soon, I promise. The woman closed her eyes and gritted her teeth as the last of the water was wiped away. Her mother wrung the blood from the cloth, then washed it in the creek. We need to find a doctor for you. She scratched in the dirt. I'll live. 
Her mother went silent as she finished, washing the rags and rewrapped her daughter's throat. Grace woke up in an unfamiliar bed with a splitting headache. She covered her face, trying to block out the light that came through the window next to her. Good morning, sleepyhead. Feeling okay? Rose's voice lilted from next to her. God, I feel like someone put a spanner in my skull and tossed me out the airlock. The girl groaned as she pulled the blanket up over her head. Yeah, hangovers will do that. I'll have John get you some coffee and food. Smoke? No, but it does sound good right now. Wait, am I in your room? She poked her head from under the blanket and looked around. One of them. Just a spare we have above the bar. Fee didn't want to move you too far last night. You were pretty far gone. She lit a cigarette and sat down on the bed next to Grace. Honey, I know you've been here for a fair bit, and Fee trusts you. And I trust her. But I just want to be sure for myself as well. Can I ask you some questions? Grace's forehead tingled in between stabs of pain from her headache. Sure, what do you want to know? Well, you said you were from a home ship. What were you doing way out there far enough from to see you? The redhead shrugged and rubbing at her temple. Book or bookkeeper. Did you have a bookkeeper? Anyway, book had me out scouting ahead of the ship. I fell asleep and Lenora ended up drifting off course or something and when I woke up we were way out. Then she got shot. Rose put her hand over Grace's, ruffling her hair. So you really didn't know that they were there or anything? It really was an accident? The pilot nodded and leaned back. Yeah, my head feels really weird. Hangovers suck. Rose gave a small smile and held her cigarette out for her. Oh, I know, honey. We'll get some food in you and you'll be just fine. Hey, Rose, Grace mumbled as the woman stood. What is it, love? She turned back, looking concerned. I miss home. I like it here, but some of the people are really scary, and Fiona keeps me almost locked up between always being in the workshop or in my apartment. After, after I'm done fixing up Lenora, what's going to happen to me? Rose sat back down, reaching for the girl and pulling her close, cradling her. Nothing bad at all. I know they're scary, and they ain't exactly the most, well, righteous of people. But Fee and her crew don't just murder willy-nilly. Things are complicated down here, and we're doing what we can to keep our people safe. She kissed the pilot's forehead and smiled. And plus, you're far too cute to let anything happen to. Grace blushed and laughed. All right. Sorry, I just... Thinking about everything that's happened over the last couple of months just has me... Scared, I guess. It's all right, love. She stood again, pulling the redhead up with her. Now, let's get you some food. Patreon. It's a thing. It's an awesome thing. Here are some awesome Patreon projects. 
Do you like tech news? Well, the best daily source for tech news, Simplified, is Daily Tech News Show with Tom Merritt. Go check out the show and the Patreon. Tom is a great guy and is only asking for five cents a show to help him produce it, if you can give. Check it out at patreon.com slash acedetect. Ryan Brushwood and Justin Robert Young have been making the Diamond Club and Chat Realm nearly piss themselves laughing on a weekly basis for about half a decade now. They've made two Billboard top comedy albums, they've made a wine, they've kept their show going weekly for four years. Now they're going independent. Go check out DiamondClub.tv and the Night Attack Patreon at patreon.com slash nightattack. The Morning Stream. Scott Johnson and Brian Ibbett have been doing TMS, among other shows, four days a week for years now. Over 500 episodes, in fact. They now have a Patreon for fans to help the show grow. Check out the show every Monday through Thursday at frogpants.com and the Patreon at patreon.com slash TMS. The Hunted Sky Podcast falls under a Creative Commons non-commercial attribution share-alike 4.0 license. Find more information at creativecommons.org. You can find this and other projects at spidersquidproductions.com. Music is Stoneworld Battle and Crusade, provided by Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com. Awesome music by an awesome guy. Check it out.